am going to hit the open road. Come again? I'm going to be a truck driver. everybody, this is Daniel. This is Daniel. And this is Carla, and we are Hoosier Homicide. A true crime podcast by Hoosiers for Hoosiers, or for anyone that doesn't know what a Hoosier is. Do you know yet? Nope, and I don't ever want to find out. Same. <laughs> you know they have like names for people in your group, like there's murderinos, but what would you call ours? Be like, Just Hoosiers. Hoosiers, it's not any different. Yeah. It's the same. I like it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I have. I had, yes. I had nothing to add. Yeah. What were you looking up? I can't tell you. I was looking at porn. Mm-hmm. You'll give your phone an STD. <laughs> it probably already has one. Watching the Orville. It's on Hulu. It's a series, and the guy that does Family Guy. Seth MacFarlane. Yeah, isn't it? But it's kind of like more wholesome. It's not as gross as you think it would be. And, and it's on in outer space. Why? Thing. Because you watch it. Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't sure when I yeah, started. Yeah, because Danielle watches nothing but wholesome entertainment. <laughs> I kind of like this series. They're like in outer space. It's like Star Trek, but one of the aliens gets addicted to porn, <laughs> <laughs> and he wants like better and better porn. You know, because it's an addiction, and everything you plug in is in the like ship. It's all connected. Like in your room, you put something in it connects to everything else, and it gives the ship an STD. What the hell? <laughs> and he has to get treated for sex addiction. <laughs> yeah, wholesome. wholesome. Yeah, really wholesome. <laughs> and apparently his husband wanted to divorce him, and the way you do that is by stabbing the other one in the chest. Yeah. They don't die? He just happened to not die. They saved him. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that he could get <laughs> treatment for his porn addiction. <laughs> I like it. That's funny and weird. What does the alien look like? Uh, like a big... Dude, I don't know, with bumps all over him, big muscular dude, and their species only is men, and they lay oh. eggs. It's getting weirder the longer I'm talking <laughs> about it. <laughs> I'm gonna stop. It sounds really weird. It has an eight point something on IMDb, so which it, means it has to be good. Yeah, nothing on IMDb that's. I above. do. I do base my taste off of. Yeah, I'm just like it can't be that bad. It like, has its. It's six or higher. What does the Zac Efron have now? Extremely wicked and diabolically in utero. I still haven't watched that. (laughs) I know. Have you? Yeah, we watched it. Yes. It was good. It was good? It Mm -hmm. was good. It's just a different perspective, and I don't think everyone likes the perspective, but it's of the girlfriend. They don't like it because it's Zac Efron. I think they think it's like romanticizing him and his innocence, like him thinking, but like that's what she had to go through because she thought he was innocent. And so from her perspective, that's how he would look. He wouldn't look like wickedly evil and vilely into something. He only has a 6.7. Yeah. But we typically try to watch things that are at least a 6. But the thing is, I lower my standards if it's just Netflix and I don't have to pay extra for it. That's true. I think it's... uh... I don't think it got as high of a score just because people were upset by that. Yeah, that they're romanticizing a serial killer. And I was like, but she was in love with him, so it would be romantic. I mean, she wrote the book. Just part of the story. Yeah. You know? 
Eh, I thought he did a good job. You see Zach Efron's butt. <laughs> you did say that. <laughs> I did That's the takeaway. That. <laughs> the takeaway, you may not like it that much, but but. But butts. <laughs> butts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All I said to you was, it's really tan. My butt's so but so wide it could blind a person. <laughs> I, that's that's what that's I what needed I to think to about. <laughs> that's what I needed to think about today. Hang on a second. <laughs> this is this is a girl I went to high school with and Ooh. her mom. Okay. Ooh. <laughs> What's the first thing that comes to mind when you see them? Uh, uh. they. <laughs> I don't get it. What? Why do they look, they look like, like that? Oh, they do. I see it now. Now I see it. Hey, hey, that's it. Aurora, Illinois. Yeah. That's what they see. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's a mom. Okay, it's, we should explain it. Yeah, you I, have to explain it. I don't think I can. It's a mom and a daughter. And the, the mom, the daughter has dark brown hair, and normal, a and a ball cap on. Mm-hmm. Black ball cap. And mom has, you know, like mom. blinding white hair. And glasses on. And glasses, and they just look like they're off of Wayne's World. <laughs> Wayne, Wayne's World. That is really And that's funny. where we get the three, two, one from. Because like, yes. you don't say two or one. That's where that they comes looked, from. They looked, wow. Is anyone else, has anyone commented on that? <laughs> I party doubt on. It. Can you write party on? Please party just on, say party, party on. Party on, no. <laughs> <laughs> party on Wayne. That is really funny. It really took me a second. I thought I, I was, I was about like, to be mean or something. Yeah. I, I was like, well, I don't know what's missing from this. Be- uh, we're not worthy. We're not worthy. Heather Locklear. <laughs> That's funny. That's yeah. really funny. It's an old, but I remember that movie. Both of them. Oh, I'm glad like, you do. You're we, not that old. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe a little young to be watching it as much as I did. I think we owned it. I don't know. Uh, for sure. Yeah. VHS. Love it. Wow. Thank that's you really funny. I saw that movie in theaters. He remembers wow. every movie he sees in theaters. It had a special- I was four. You had a- Or five. Seriously. Why were no, you- No, because my, my much older cousin was tasked with watching my, uh, it was my two siblings mm-hmm. and then her brother that she was- like 10 years younger, so he was my age. And so she took us to go see Wayne's World. <laughs> and she was old enough that she was able to buy us all tickets and get us in. Yeah. Oh, my god, That's how it's done. So. That's how it's done. <laughs> and so began. Did anything else happen to you? Did you go to a concert? I did. I went and saw Maren Morris. Okay, yeah. I like I her. don't know who the fuck that is. Baby. But I know. Why don't you just meet me in the middle? Nope. Wow, that's like a yeah, that one. I like that. Okay, that's like that's on a Target commercial, so I feel like a lot of people have heard it. So she has the right to sing it. Don't watch commercials. (laughs) We don't really watch shows. Yeah, that's true. And I don't think Target's been uh, advertising on ESPN or anything. So well, she's really cute. She sounds really good in person, and she's like country pop. I have a feeling most people listening to this, this this is probably not their jam. Maybe not. I don't wrong. know. I really like uh, it. I kind of like. I'm into like the girl singers, you know. I've got her on a yeah. shuffle somewhere on a CD I burned. My car doesn't even have a CD player. Anymore. You don't need it. I do too. 
the only CD I have in my CD player in my car is the fucking who's the fucking guy that sings the kids songs. Oh, <laughs> that's the only CD I have in there. I don't know his name, but it's all Gra- Rafi. Yeah, Rafi. Rafi. Rafa. Yeah. Rafi. One no little, idea what one little duck with a feather about. on his back. That's <laughs> <laughs> in your car? Yeah. Why the fuck is that? Six little ducks that I once knew. Fat ones, skinny ones, fair ones too. But the one little duck with the feather on his back. He let the others with the quack, 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 quack. Quack, quack, quack. Just in case you're confused, we are getting ready to talk about murder. Listen. <laughs> okay, well, your kid used to get in my car. We do that short little drive mm-hmm. between houses, and she wanted to hear that. Just I'm the really, duck song over I'm over. really glad she's forgotten about it. To be honest, then. there's a song on that CD you like a lot. You gotta sing when the spirit says sing. <laughs> you gotta sing when the spirit says sing. When the spirit says sing, you gotta sing right along. You gotta sing when the spirit says sing. I really like that one. Yeah, but I knew it. I knew you did. <laughs> well, it's Mother's Day, so it's fitting that we should talk about a child that impedes our lives and leaves yeah. creepy songs in the CD player. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, oh. The only other thing that I found kind of funny is that mom bought a TV today and I was like, I really, I got to get a new one for my bedroom. It's the worst TV of all time. It doesn't have a remote and it has white noise and it's just bleh. White noise scares me. I know, right? And so like I can't turn, so I'm lazy. If I go to bed, I can't turn the TV off. So I'll just turn the show off. And then it's like. Demons come through that way. Well, no one said anything to me yet. <laughs> no, I just want, I just think it's annoying. I think it's not good to, mm-hmm. I don't know. But I was looking at this TV. <laughs> looking I you at just this, bought a TV. Well, I bought one for the living room, but not, I need one for my room. This this TV is horrible. Um, But this one I was looking up and this is the <laughs> review <laughs> that somebody put on it on the Best Buy website. And they gave it one star. And they said, I was enjoying this until I realized the TV. I was enjoying the TV until I realized that it cannot take a punch. (laughs) (laughs) The television is very nice. Although if you punch it, then it will not work. It is a very scrawny television. And it got rocked by my cousin. (laughs) I also did not suggest that you play virtual reality near the TV. Because like I said before, it cannot take a punch. (laughs) No, I would not recommend this to a friend. <laughs> and 39 people found that unhelpful. Unhelpful? That's very helpful. <laughs> and then I was going through and I found another one. <laughs> and it's this one got a four, four stars, good size. It says, great size for my bedroom TV and the Red Sox suck. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so he's watching nothing but old Red Sox games. Yeah. <laughs> no, and I don't, that was like two reviews on the same TV. I thought it was pretty funny, so I screenshotted it. It cannot take a bunch. <laughs> also, the Red Sox suck. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I like yeah. that. that we have two funny. new patrons. Patrons. Thomas. Tomach. Tomas. And uh, Heather from Nature versus Narcissism. I've done a crossover with her. What the fuck is up? Yes. And. Gracias. Thomas reminds me of Thomas the Train that I was watching the other day. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I shared with you that it, a, a little train pushed a larger train into the ocean on accident. 
committing negligent homicide or so that involuntary manslaughter. And then he hides in the rock quarry for the rest of his life because he knows if he comes out, he'll get prosecuted and be sent to train jail. And this is on a children's TV show. <laughs> is that really what happens? The train just stays there forever? He hides. Like anytime anyone's around, he like hides. So Thomas decides it's his fucking business to get in on it and like <laughs> expose him. Be like, it's fine. It's fine. And be like, yeah, when I end up in jail, it won't be fucking fine. So what happens in the end? That... <laughs> Well, I wish it was that it just ended like that. But it was the train that fell into the water spoke Spanish and it was yellow. But the the train learned English, though, and got painted red when they saved it. So he's been interacting with that train all the time and didn't know it was the one that fell in the water. So what's the moral? I feel like there's no moral. Be Don't. honest when you commit negligent homicide. I'm so confused. And they would have said, he's fine. He's, he made it. Now we're just getting you for assault. Yeah. And leaving the scene of a crime. crime. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, Thomas, for your donation. <laughs> hmm. Oh, man. All right. I'm a little out of breath. That's good. Not a good sign. <laughs> If you get out of if you get out of breath from laughing, that is good. Yeah, this one is not a book. The connection is that Wayne's World takes place in Aurora, Illinois, and I reference Aurora, Illinois. Aurora. We had a uh, one of our zone reps came in. And he's from Aurora, Illinois. And I'm like, have you ever seen Wayne's World? He's like, no. And everyone always asks me that. And I'm like. <laughs> and I'm fucking sick well, of it. Well, don't tell people you're from Aurora. Just make it up. Say I'm yeah. from Chicago. Oh, okay. But then the problem is then people go, oh, what part of Chicago? Are you a Cubs fan? Aurora. Yeah, that's always the second question. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like, I don't Cubs? really like baseball. Are you a Cubs fan or a White Sox fan? <laughs> Red Sox suck. <laughs> the Red- also, the Red Sox suck. <laughs> I love product reviews. <laughs> that was, I was the same TV on the Best Buy website. I think there's something where a serial killer or a guy that murdered his wife or something left a review on the weapon he used, like a knife or a hatchet, like in a hunting content. Like, I'm oh a my. hunter. I don't remember. I could well, be she, making that up. If, if I'm making it up, I apologize. They had to let the people know. It was not effective. <laughs> if you want to kill your wife, this is an effective weapon. <laughs> Just speculating. Just speculating. <laughs> Are you both ready? I'm, re- I'm, born I'm ready. ready. Freddy. I just picked my nose. I'm ready. March 17th, 2015. Carla, where were you? To that March 2015. That's Not that long ago. Oh, well, we've just moved, moved and I was going to have a baby. I was in college. Oh, no, I was not. I was in Disney World. Okay. I was pregnant. I was Daniel. Yeah, that was about the time mom and dad visited. Mm-hmm. <gasps> is that the time I had to stay at Mimo and Frank's? Well, it was... No, that, would, that was in February. So it was after that. It was after this that. was just prior to whatever you're about to talk about. When you decided to not leave me at home in February. What? Were you getting ready to say the, the time when I had to stay home? No, it was the, no, that's not. It's not that I missed out on going to Disney World. It's the fact that I was six months pregnant. In a snowstorm, and all mom left in the goddamn refrigerator were fucking lean cuisines. 
That's what the problem is. And you're surprised. <laughs> no. You're lucky there was any food. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there weren't even chips. There was nothing. I was like, I'm six minutes per I'm not eating a lean cuisine. I'm not. That's not that's not me. That's not who I am. I'm not gonna do it. So I went to Taco you, Bell. Then you would have got a message plane, crash, fire, death. <laughs> Dad okay. Dad okay. Having good time. <laughs> Bring food. Pick up lean cuisines. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Rigatoni one. So that kind one. of sets the scene. Yes. At the Raymond Street Bridge over the lovely White River in Indianapolis, Indiana. That's downtown. Indianapolis. Isn't it? A white van is discovered. Oh, God. An officer runs the plates and the vehicle comes back as belonging to 52-year-old Stephen Williams, who was reported missing three days earlier by his wife, 35-year-old Opal Williams. That's a bit. That's an age gap. That is 35 to 52. Yeah. Yep. We're not judging. No, it's just trouble. I mean, I'm not judging. Stephen Williams was born in 1963 in Texas. He grew up humble and his parents divorced early on in his childhood. When he was 18 years old, he married a woman named April. I don't know if they got married in April or not. And they had three kids together. And he joined the army. Kid one. Kid two. Kid two. And of course, kid three. Kid three. three. <laughs> He joined the army in the 1980s where he discovered an interest in computers. However, Stephen and his first wife divorced in 1995, but he retained custody of their kids. Stephen was most notably a good father, and in 2006, he was honorably discharged from the military and settled in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Opal Skidmore <gasps> is her maiden name. That's not, that's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. In the, like, there's nothing you can do about that, like except oh. get married. Yeah. Was born in 1979 in Aurora, Illinois. There you go. Her father was a semi-truck driver, and she spent much of her adolescence riding along with him to travel the country. At the age of 18, she married a man named Don. And Don they, Julio. <laughs> and they had two kids together. She was a good mother, but the marriage failed just two years later. In 2005, Opal and Stephen met in a bar on karaoke night and performed a duet together in Marion, Iowa. I'm still trying to think of a good first name to go along with the last name of Skidmore. I know, I was thinking of like a color, but like... like... Harry Skidmore. <laughs> that's pretty <laughs> that isn't... But that's not a woman, this is a woman. Goldie. Goldie Skidmore? No. <laughs> Merle. Merle. Neither one of them was looking for a relationship, and because Opal was in the middle of going through a custody battle with her ex-husband... They still became good friends and eventually got married in May of 2007, bonding over their love for karaoke. Karaoke. Ah. Wait, so he married April, then he married Opal. Yeah. <laughs> April was when they was young. Getting married young, that's hard. Getting married and, when they was youngs. And I thought it was going to be that we met at karaoke bar and the next day we got married. No, they met in 2005 and, and two years later got married, which that's dating yeah. appropriate. They was chilling. Yeah. In 2009, Stephen got a job offer with the largest software company in Indianapolis. Sales, Microsoft! Salesforce.com. Oh, that's still here. Is that here? Salesforce Tower, yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's where. <laughs> the family They're sponsoring a car in the 500. Which one? They are? Whose car? J.R. Hildebrand. Oh, okay. Hildebrand. Hmm. The kid that hit the wall coming out of turn four. The family moved to a subdivision off Smith Valley Road in Greenwood. Carla, how far is Greenwood? From Indianapolis. It's like, you know, 15, 20 minute drive. That depends on how fast you're driving. Is it green? 
Also depends if you take the interstate. It depends on what. It depends what on where you're going you from yeah. and where you're heading to. Yeah, because yeah. that's like you could go the interstate or or you can take a state road. Mm-hmm. South. South. Mm-hmm. Greenwood is known as the crossroads of Indiana. Just, just it do the crossroads <laughs> to the south side. <laughs> and Opal became a stay-at-home mom. Oh joy. During this time, they decided to pursue regaining custody of her two boys. So, for whatever reason, she didn't have custody of her kids boys. Kids one and kids, kids two. two. <laughs> and they were successful in this attempt, and the boys came to live with them in Indiana. Steve- Stephen Williams had three children, including 20-year-old Amanda Bryan from his first marriage, and she was helping to raise Opal's two boys. So, he's a dad to a lot of kids. He didn't, he didn't play favorites, and he treated all of his biological step and in-law children the same, Amanda said. Well, that's nice. That yeah. is very nice. By 2014, Opal was very bored Burn. and sick of being stuck at home with seemingly no direction in her life. I mean, I can identify with this, being trapped with kids inside, but none of her kids are that young. And feeling stuck in life? No. Stuck <laughs> at home. Hmm. The podcast mm-hmm. gives lots of direction for me. Mm-hmm. So, what do you do? You decide I'm going to do me and pursue your life dreams. The hell with any other children that live in this home, right? Right. That's right. I was going to say she was going to have an affair. Stop it. What? So, I think the kids are older, but I don't know if they're middle school, high school, older. Some are moved out of the house. Uh, so she decides to pursue a lifelong dream of being a commercial truck driver like her father before her. Life on the road. Yep. Opal was eager to pursue a lifelong dream. I've always wanted to be a truck driver. I love the road. I love to travel. I just love everything about it. It's just a sense of freedom. Opal obtained her commercial driver's license and began driving a big rig. But her life on the road put a strain on her marriage, and she and Stephen began to drift apart. We're different. I mean, me, I love traveling. He falls asleep after two hours in a vehicle. <laughs> I mean, come on, you can't get much opposite than that. This I is, couldn't do it. Yeah, no, I, God, well, I couldn't no. drive, and it would be hard. That long. It would be hard to be married to someone who is gone. I don't know how often it takes to get to and from, like how much time you spend at home. Well, a lot of them, it just depends. I don't know. I feel like some of them go home for the weekend as best they can. I feel like others just take a week off every month. Okay. Just really depends. Okay. Okay. The decision put considerable strain on their relationship. There was almost constant fighting over the fact that Opal's ex-boyfriend, 56-year-old Ricky King, was the one teaching her how to drive semi-trucks. Beep, beep, hunk, hunk. This meant that the two would be... I don't think I'd be real pleased about your ex-boyfriend teaching you how to drive a semi-truck. Teaching me how to do anything. (laughs) Can't do fucking shit. This meant that the two would be out on the open road alone together for weeks at a time. Opal's boredom quickly affects the whole family. I gotta do something, Stevie. I'm going stir-crazy here. But I got a plan. I am going to hit the open road. Come again? I'm going to be a truck driver. Psychotherapist Stacy Kaiser and forensic psychologist Brian Russell share some insights on the state of Opal and Stephen's relationship. 
At this point in the relationship, Opal is beginning to find herself being bored. The underlying feeling for boredom tends to be anger. And so I'm wondering, what is she angry about? Is she angry that she moved? Is she angry about the family situation? Is there something going on that we don't know about? Opal seems to feel like Stephen is the one who has a lot going on, and she doesn't have as much going on, and so she's bored. And I think sometimes that can result in resentment of the person who does seem to have the big career or seem to have the more things going on. It can also result in the person doing something healthy, which is looking for ways to make their free time more meaningful. When a person has come from a past environment like Opal's, where there has been abuse and stress, they live in a heightened state of adrenaline. And so you end up now in a relationship with someone like Steven, and that adrenaline is gone. And so that can actually feel like boredom. And what she's going to need to do is to seek out something that gives her a little bit of excitement in a positive way. Or the unhealthy thing that unfortunately we see happen a lot is they recreate some of their own chaos. They, they recreate for themselves some of the chaos that they came from. I'm very much an advocate for following your dreams, but I don't like anything about the way Opal is following hers. The fact that she is trying to do this open road trucking with an ex-boyfriend is very concerning to me. There's a lot of ways a person could learn to be a trucker. They don't need to go be with someone that they were once with before. It really makes me wonder if there's not some additional motivation besides just wanting to get a job or wanting to travel and see the country. And so I'm concerned about the marriage and the fact that Stephen is sort of passively acquiescing to it makes me concerned that maybe he is being a little avoidant of conflict and, and being choosing to uh, act as though he's in support of something when he probably really maybe has some pretty significant and valid concerns about it. Depending on when you came home. Right? Oh, well, sure. That's yeah. fine. So yeah, I want you. Yeah, that's okay. I want you to work your computer job downtown. Take care of the kids, and I'm going to go on the open road with my ex-boyfriend. <laughs> Do you think you would be okay with that? Sure. You so, think you'd be okay when you came back and all the locks were changed? <laughs> all your shit's out in the yard on and fire? There was, there, was a, there was an attorney waiting for you in the yard that said, sign you've, here. You've been served. You've been served. <laughs> Steven happened to be very passive when it came to Opal, however, and he became depressed and lonely without her being home. And by October of 2015, Ricky lost his trucking contract. I don't know how that works. What? A trucking contract? He lost it. See, a lot of them are independent, aren't they? If yeah, he, but you still have to get your CDL. Okay. And like. Okay. If So he probably owned his truck and trailer, mm -hmm. or he owned the truck, and he was contracted to go and basically to pick, pick up trailers and yeah. hook up, take them somewhere else by different companies. But the company doesn't owe, doesn't own the truck. All the maintenance and insurance mm -hmm. and stuff is all on him. Mm -hmm. So if he crashes it, it's not on okay. Amazon. It's on Billy Bob Jackoff. That's the... Got it. Wait, Skidmore. Skidmore. It's on Skidmore. Billy Bob Skidmore. I wouldn't. I really wouldn't want a semi driver named Skidmore. Skidmore. <laughs> mm -mm, no, that's really frightening. Yeah, that's funny. I got one. Rusty, Rusty, Rusty Skidmore. Skidmore. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> and quick. Okay, so however Ricky lost his trucking contract, he could have got a DUI. I have no idea. I'm Damn it, Ricky. Damn it, Ricky. speculating wildly. 
I so, sure wish Ricky were here. <laughs> <laughs> so Opal ends up back at home. So you created this like big mess and said, fuck you, I'm going to pursue my dreams. Well, dreams crumble apart a little bit and got to come home and go, oh, about that. About that. Okay, well, she kind of gone and worked for Celadon and... Mm-hmm. I don't know if she ever got certified or anything. Yeah, you gotta I will get certified. Say, I will say this, that Opal is a heavier set woman. Not that there's anything wrong with that. It is also just the fact that she is missing one of her front teeth. Mm-hmm. What are you saying? <laughs> <laughs> no, this is like... I oh, work in trucking. Well, I work in trucking. And I have a missing front I'm tooth. I'm starting to see a pattern here. Yes. Are you saying I'm heavy set? <laughs> no, I'm saying I got to keep the old men away from you. I just oh. don't understand. Like, okay, so she just... <laughs> There's nothing wrong with being overweight or missing teeth. It's just an odd combination for the set of situations that's going to uh, unfold. You bring okay. home a 50-year-old man, you just better not or just don't. He better have me. all his teeth. This is Billy Bob. Skidmore. <laughs> Skidmore. <laughs> I don't work with the drivers. <laughs> no. I'm just, you never know. Sometimes it might be like come Beauty in the and the Beast. <laughs> I don't know who's who, but. Sometimes they come in the office and they're like, I'm here to pick up my load. And we're like, dude, you're at the wrong address. (laughs) You got to go up to 86th Street. We don't know why you're here. (laughs) So there's nothing wrong with being who you want to be. And dental work is expensive and not everyone can afford it. But so brush your teeth and floss before. It's Mother's Day. Thank your mother. Yeah, but what did you do to to lose the front tooth? I don't know. She could have got hit by a TV. (laughs) (laughs) One know. star. It's just all the photos. She never had her front Maybe tooth. Maybe someone was like. playing VR around her. Yeah. <laughs> One star. No. Opal doesn't take a punch. Well, <laughs> who, who knows? No. Maybe she, she did. Maybe she did take off, it. Yeah. yeah. You're right. You're right. Maybe uh, you should see the other guy. You know? <laughs> okay. So she ends up back at home, and in August of 2015, Opal's ex-husband's new wife, Linda called for help because Don was abusing her and her kid. Did that sentence make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Opal's ex-husband remarried, and that woman is like, can I come live with y'all? Because he's hitting me. She wanted to move in with Opal? Yes, and Opal's husband, Stephen. So that would be like if we got a divorce, and I remarried, and then I started (laughs) hitting that bitch. And then she came in and moved in here with you. That is yeah. so and strange. My new husband. I don't understand in what. And your situation. new husband? Yeah, because Opal's married. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> That's real old. So I walk in and say, "What's your five-year plan? Death." <laughs> <laughs> he works at Hooters. Yeah. Nothing wrong with working at Hooters. Make That's good tips. A, I can't. I can't think when this situation, this scenario, mm, would be it gets normal. worse. Okay, it gets much worse. So, I mean, I mean, that's being really nice, magnanimous to be like, yeah, you can come here, but there has to be a short term plan, like stay here for a week. It doesn't or two. sound like a word that that fits that statement. No. Magnanimous, mm-hmm. and- Magna Carta. <laughs> <laughs> Opal allowed Linda Magnum to- Pi. <laughs> Opal agreed Hot to liquid magma. <laughs> Stop, okay, stop. Opal agreed. I got you Magnum ice cream. Ah, uh, yeah. Got Magnum other things, too. Yeah, no. <laughs> no one can see your baby. Condams. I'm talking about condams. I had a uh, uh, 
you know, Meyer like plastic grocery sack bag mm-hmm. with me yesterday at the track and I looked at my dad and I said, I'm trying to save money on condoms and this is <laughs> the only thing that would fit. <laughs> <laughs> the walrus is the second largest penis on the planet. Well, and then I also told, I called my, my dad insisted on the way home that I call my mother ah! to tell her that your mother's just going to be worried. She needs to know where I'm at. I'm like, okay, dad. You told her where you were going, right? <laughs> I did. So I called my mom and I'm like, yeah, we're on our way home. Dad was talking to some girl with really giant boobs. Your mom hates that. And then I realized, oh, it, was, it wasn't it was that. It was Uncle John. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Opal had big boobs. Okay. She agreed to allow Linda to move in with them. And Stephen and Opal's marriage continued to struggle to survive. He had suspected it for quite some time, but he had hard proof of the affair when he caught Opal and Ricky in the shower together one afternoon. That'll do it. In your own goddamn house, you know? That's insulting. At least if you're going to do that, make sure you find all my guns. Before you get home? Yeah. (laughs) Well, just in case. Yeah. Because that's going to be the end the knives or anything large that you could bludgeon somebody to death with. (laughs) Probably the weed whacker, too. (laughs) That'd be a real fun way here, motherfucker. It doesn't work. The battery won't charge. (laughs) Well, then it's then all of a sudden now it's been repurposed as a baseball bat. (laughs) (laughs) That sucks to find your wife in the shower with another man. In order to save his marriage, Stephen agrees to Opal's request to have an open marriage and allows Ricky to move in as well. Oh, my goodness. No, you can't. Every once in a while, an open relationship works. If everyone is on the same page, they communicate on a regular basis, but this is every once in a while. And that's because there's many challenges that are involved in an open relationship. First of all, inevitably, somebody ends up getting jealous. Somebody ends up thinking they're going to be fine and ultimately they're not okay. Or someone ends up resentful because of that or any other reason. I think that it's probably a solution that Stephen was aware was probably a horrible solution at some level, and yet he seems to be a guy who avoids conflict by acquiescing to things. And I think that never in the history of humanity has an open relationship really worked out. No good is going to come out of this situation. I am just waiting to see exactly how it will erupt. This has to be a huge blow to Stephen. This can't be good for his ego at all. And yet, as passive as he always is, he agrees to go along with it just to continue to have her around. I think sometimes people, in this case Stephen, end up in situations where they're so deeply immersed in them that they really can't imagine how it's going to get better. And so they sort of adopt something that we psychologists call learned helplessness, where it's not so much that they really are okay with it, it's not so much that they like it, but rather than even trying to escape it anymore, they sort of resign themselves to making the best of it. Well, damn, Ricky. Exactly. Amber also moved back home with her fiancé. So this is his 20-year-old daughter. And her fiancé's name was also Stephen. Just to make things confusing. Stephen Bryan. 
She had moved to Iowa as a teenager but was struggling to finish school, and her now husband lost his job. Stephen told them they could come to his house and that he wanted to help them out and make sure they were both safe and secure. So that's being really nice. Uh, you always end up back home nowadays, like can't afford school and a lot of debt. I have to come back home. It happens. Mm -hmm. And shortly thereafter, Amanda became pregnant. So we're at a total of like nine people living in this house now. Good Lord. And I think it's Oops. like prefab homes, brick front. I'm guessing at the most 2,000 square feet, maybe something like that. But I couldn't see the address on the picture to like look it up for sure. Like the p address wasn't in the picture. Mm hmm Enter 20-year-old Charlie Lehman. Charlie. Charlie. <laughs> oh, Charlie. Oh, it's Charlie. <laughs> Charlie Lehman, a cousin of Opal's who sometimes crashes at the already overcrowded house. And I think this is a new relative to her. Like, they just found each other. I don't know if they were on Ancestry or something. And their DNA was like, hey, I don't, I think it, they were like, I don't know if it's a second cousin, but they didn't know each other real well. But still, sure, come stay the night. Yeah, okay. Opal is incredibly jealous of Linda and Stephen's ever-blossoming relationship. Well, no shit. Becoming more and more disenchanted with one another, Opal and Stephen decide to file for divorce, and she moves out with her kids in tow. It's like, she said that woman could move in. She moved her boyfriend in, even though she's married, and then gets mad that your husband is, like, cozy with your ex-husband's second wife. It's very, it's, this is a tangled web they have weaved. Oh, what tangled webs we weave when first we practice to deceive. This is another one of those we should have got a marker board out. I know. Yep. And so we could have drawn a family tree. There might have been very few branches. But at least. But. We would have known. Figure out if it was Opal who wanted the divorce or Steven. I watched Snapped, Oxygen Snapped, and Fatal Vows, which is investigation discovery, I think. So I watched both of those, and I had to take a lot of handwritten notes. And if anyone's seen my handwriting, it's bad. It's bad. It's, it's bad. bad. It's bad. It's bad. It, so looks, then like I have a, to it looks like a drunk old man is trying to write with his opposite. That's exactly hand. what it looks like. Fuck you. <laughs> like, That's why it was hard. For I have me an in easier school. time reading hieroglyphics. <laughs> That's why school was hard for me, and I was the only oh. kid in the high school with a laptop. <laughs> It was a big bulky thing too. It weighed like ten pounds. It had a it had a handicap placard on it. <laughs> no. Had a big satchel that I carried around in. It's not like... a satchel. It's a purse. <laughs> oh, wait, it's not a purse. It's a satchel. <laughs> Got that backwards. So yeah, those are the two things I watched, and I had to take a bunch of notes and like write this all out. Some of it came from the Daily Journal and the Indie Star, but a lot of this is my own writing. Just so you know, for once. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I couldn't really figure out for sure which one filed for divorce first or, you know, but she did leave. Stephen became increasingly distraught and depressed over her leaving him and begged for her to come back. So about a month later, I think he was like, listen, I regret this. She agrees, assuming Linda is gone. But on her trip back from Oklahoma to Indiana, she was in a car accident. She suffered a back injury as a result and was placed in a wheelchair. The divorce was stopped after their granddaughter was born. So it was a combination like, okay, you got hurt in a car wreck and now I feel soups bad about things. And you're We're in not a feeling wheelchair. so good. Not feeling so good. And then we had our granddaughter born. So it's like, let's put everything aside and figure it out for Let's family. do it for Rusty Jr. <laughs> Rusty, no. Oh. <laughs> Rusty's not Rusty Jr. And then 
The trombone family also named a kid after Rusty. <laughs> <Get it. laughs> Speaking of, I explained to my dad what a Rusty trombone was at lunch yesterday. Oh, really? Did he appreciate that? Or did he tell you you were nasty? Huh? Did he say you were Oh, nasty? he thought he <laughs> thought it was gross, but everyone else thought it, it was, was funny. funny. Yep, yeah, that's how yeah. that that is our podcast in a nutshell. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, the couple were supposed to appear in court, but the hearing was canceled because Stephen had notified the court that they had reconciled and would be filing for the case to be dismissed. So they were actually in the process of not just a verbal divorce, like, I divorce you. No, I divorce you first. Uh, They actually had filed paperwork. Oh, yeah. Oops. March 10th, 2015, Opal's son was having a school performance of some sort. I don't know if it was choir or play or whatever thing you have to go to as a parent. And Stephen decided not to attend. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Three days later. Okay. Okay. Three days later, he goes missing. Should have gone to that play. While the processing of the van begins, Detective Bartlett returns to the station and reviews his file on Stephen Williams' missing persons case. It all started when Opal Williams made a 911 call to Indianapolis authorities. He has been at work. He hasn't even called at work or anything. He's supposed to be taking high blood pressure medication and um, shots to help him sleep and be on the On the third day, Opal goes to the police station to file a missing persons report. She was very concerned that Stephen did not take his blood pressure medication with him wherever he was because that's something he needed to take daily. She told the officer that she last saw her husband at a Wendy's off of US 31 where they had gotten into a fight and he drove off. She displayed the marks he had left on her arm during the argument and that he I had... I like a- that Wendy's. <laughs> been there? Aren't they yeah. all the same? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So she displayed marks that were on her arm that he had given her during an argument and that he had a history of depression and might be suicidal. Opal and her ex-boyfriend Ricky drove from Indiana to Oklahoma to Texas in search of Stephen thinking he may have left the state. They did what now? Yes, exactly. I filed the merchant's person report. Me and my boyfriend get in probably the, at least the front of his cab and are out driving around to every truck stop along the way in desperation to locate her husband, but with no success. So it seems a little odd Why? Yeah, that you're le- leaving the state. Because usually, like, if someone goes missing, you stay at home. Like, yeah. one person at home and one person where they went missing from. Like, I'm not leaving this location until this person, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, you know, even people whose family or kids go missing, they never move. They stay there for thinking there's a chance that their kid or loved one could come home. No, yeah. They stay yes. in the house, never change their phone number, that type of stuff. Yes. So it's a little odd that they left the state, you know. And Indiana isn't very wide, so you could run into Illinois or Ohio or whatever real quick, but they left for Oklahoma. Okay. Yeah, well, I just had this hunch that... Oklahoma. <laughs> had this hunch that he was just, you know, in Oklahoma. On, at a truck stop in Oklahoma. <laughs> 
So he was a Garth Brooks fan. <laughs> he was. Yeah. You see, Garth Brooks isn't country. He's country and he's rock and roll. Well, <laughs> Garth Brooks. Hell yeah. Okay. The van found down by the river. <laughs> the van down by the river. Yeah, that's where it was, under a bridge down by the river. Had a puddle of dried blood near it. However, no other evidence in the area was located. So how you said Opal was cooperative and gave permission for the van to be searched, and detectives had it towed to the CSI team in Johnson County, which I'm assuming is Greenwood. Makes sense. I, yeah. Sure. The officer calls for Detective Ryan Bartlett, who had been working the missing persons case opened on Stephen just three days earlier. After IMPD contacted us, uh, myself and another detective went to the river to go check the van out. Inside the van, more worrisome evidence. One thing that caught the detective in my eye was it looked like there was some type of maroon-colored uh, liquid on the seats of the van, which had a possibility of being blood. Things were getting kind of sketchy, and I maybe need help. Detectives had received a call from, okay, so first, so she's out of the state, but she's saying, sure, get in the van. If you can get it open, get in there and look for any clues that you can to figure out where my husband is. And they don't, they don't go digging around in it, though. They take it to have it looked at first by, for, you know, the CSI people. Yeah. Then detectives receive a call from the Indianapolis Fire Department saying someone jumped off the same bridge that the van was under. What? I met with Indiana Conservation Officers in the Indianapolis Fire Department and told them that we were missing a person from Johnson County whose van was found by the river and that if a person had jumped over the, uh, into the water, that it could have been Stephen. Maybe Stephen had climbed up the bridge where the van was and jumped in. We got our ranked officers involved, go all down to this location to find out what exactly we were really dealing with. We also had uh, sonar being used. We had um, holding equipment out. As the search team scours the river for Stephen's body, investigators receive word that preliminary testing on the substance found in Stephen's van is back. My evidence technician, after uh, initially getting into it, immediately contacted me and said, hey, there's, there's blood in the back seat. Not just a little bit of blood, but enough blood for uh, someone to be concerned that something happened in the van. Opal said Stephen had been suicidal in the past, had tried to cut his wrist. Had Stephen cut himself in the van before jumping off the bridge? And sonar detection was used by the Indiana Conservation Officers and the IMPD, Indiana Metro Police Department, but nothing was found in the water. So I don't know. Indianapolis Metropolitan Police That's Department. what I said. Neapolitan Police Department. That's what I said. Booby trap. That's, just, that's always what I think of. Yeah. That's what I said, a booby trap. <laughs> so I don't know who reported someone jumping off the bridge. I don't know if someone saw someone, if it was night and they saw like a bag hit the water. Whatever it is, they're out there looking. And they don't find anything. So there's nothing in the water. I mean. However, during this Not search. Not in that water. You throw no. something in. It's like in mm -hmm. The Simpsons. It, the fucking acid. Yeah, it just eats melts it. Melts it. Yeah. However, they did stumble across a piece of rolled up carpet that was about 15 yards from where the van was found. And it had blood stains on it. 
They believe the heavy. But so did half the shit that floats yeah. out of the White River. <laughs> they believe that heavy rainfalls hit had risen enough to hide the carpet, but once the water receded, it could be seen clearly. So at the time when they were searching the area, it had rained and the river had rose enough onto the banks that it covered up this rolled up carpet, and now it had receded. Detectives inspected the roll of carpet just enough to confirm that a head with gray hair could be seen inside. Then it was taken directly to the medical examiner's office. The case was now a homicide investigation. And working in their favor was the fact that the water had been cold and preserved the body to an extent. So he was submerged completely because of all the rainfall. And it's March in Indiana. And it can be cold all the way through fucking May. (laughs) (laughs) So it preserved the body. Seeing as it was fucking cold tomorrow, yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Especially out at the track. Yeah. By the end of the race, I couldn't feel my hands. I'm not surprised. Couldn't feel my hands. Neat gloves. I really contemplated just pissing my pants as opposed to going to the bathroom because I didn't want to have to actually touch my dick with my hands. Aww. <laughs> That's sad. Or may- You know, looking back, I should have just peed on my hands. I would have warmed them right up. Yep, yep, yep there you go. Yep. <laughs> the body had two stab wounds in his chest and his throat had been slit. Blood found inside the van also came back as belonging to Stephen. So they have located Stephen's body and he has been very clearly murdered. Linda was on the suspect list at this point because he's in a weird love triangle relationship and she was shocked by his death but had little... She had, she had that same kind of rug. Mm, that would be good if it... That's a good... But she didn't. She had little information to offer. It was a bearskin rug. Those are expensive, I would assume. Detective Harry C. Dunn called Opal... <laughs> Harry C.? <laughs> no one likes a Harry C. Mm-hmm. No. Called Opal and told her that she needed to come back from Oklahoma so that they can ask her more questions about Stephen and his lifestyle. So they're not saying, hey, we found your husband's body. They're just like, hey, we're still looking for him. We need you to come back so we can talk more about this with you here. Uh, She is very compliant and agrees to come back and talk with police. Authorities have no evidence linking Linda to the crime, but they can't take her off the persons of interest list. Seeking more information, detectives questioned several of Stephen's family members, including his daughter Amanda. They start with a very difficult death notification. My thing is, I like, what? Who, why would you do this? Like, who would done this to my dad? I sat in the middle of the room and cried in front of the police officers. He was my best friend. He was basically my second dad. And it still hurts. Amanda was also questioned, his daughter, and she informed the detectives that the last time she saw her father, she told him she loved him and expected that he would come with her to the courthouse to get her marriage license the next day. I was like, that's so sad. Mm. Amanda texted and called her father, but he didn't answer. When she didn't hear from him, they they went without him. Later in the day, she reached Opal, who said he was missing. Thanks, Opal. Like, for letting yeah, me thanks know. for letting me know, bitch. Yeah. For the next few days, Amanda and Stephen Bryan, her husband, or soon to be, spent more than $100 in gas driving around looking for her father. So this makes sense. We're not leaving the state. We're driving around the areas that we know he's been or would go or you know anything like that and she remembers her dad leaving the house late on march 10th because he was told his wife had fallen and hurt herself 
Amanda was headed to bed, not realizing it would be the last time she would speak with her dad. He said, love you too. I'll see you later. From there, he didn't come back, she said. Mm-hmm. It's really sad. But if you had to pick a last thing to say to someone before they died, it, I would hope it just is, I love you. Yeah. Stephen Williams was help, helping hold his family together despite marital issues he was having with his wife. He was helping care for his daughter, her husband, their seven-week-old baby, as well as Opal and her two sons. He'd gather a family around the table and play Dungeons and Dragons and sit and watch TV together like any other family. I couldn't play Dungeons and Dragons. I was like, I don't know about Dungeons. I couldn't couldn't do it. A family that D&D together Mm -hmm. stays Stays together. together. I could not play it because I'm not smart enough. And he was. Yeah, that's. I didn't know it required smarts. It does. I mean, it's complex. It's complex. Yeah. Like you kind of you have to teach yourself or have someone teach you how to play. And that's a lot of information. Uh, he was known for teaching himself things. Stephen taught himself how to play guitar, piano, drums, and recorded his own music. So anyone that can teach themselves how to play an instrument is pretty impressive. Yeah. He also taught himself computer programming and was working downtown Indianapolis as a coder. Which so he's a smart guy. Yep. Amanda admitted that she knew her father and stepmother were in an open relationship, but that it was Opal's idea. After her affair with Ricky came to light, Stephen didn't really want an open marriage, but he did end up sleeping with Linda, whom he found more attractive. And I don't think it was hard to do. (laughs) A welfare check on Opal's children that had been dropped off at Charlie's grandmother's house. Daniel and I were trying to figure this this dynamics out. Like, it's Opal's cousin, but I don't know if it's her first or second cousin Charlie is. So the kids get dropped at his grandmother's house. It's like, how well do you know that woman, first of all? And second, I don't know my cousin's grandmother at all. No. And it's like, all right, cousin by Mary? Like, I don't know. It's, yeah, it seemed odd to me. At Charlie's grandmother's house proved very helpful because one of the boys had overheard his, his mother, Ricky, and Charlie discussing something very serious. And they used the phrase, we need to take care of business in an ominous manner. We need to take care of business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Opal had planned a meeting with Detective Dunn at 10 p.m. the night she arrived back from Oklahoma. However, she did not show. And at this point, she was still unaware that they had found a body. So they're like, we just need to talk to you some more, Opal, if you just want to come on in. Sit on down, we'll talk to you some more. And she's like, yeah, I'll be there. And then she's not there. Uh-huh. So that that makes you look bad. Yeah. Maybe she was just extra tired. I feel um, that, you know. <laughs> Deputies were sent to bring Opal and Ricky to the police station where Detective Dunn tells Opal that they have found Stephen's body, we know you did it, and we have proof. So he's saying his tactic here is he goes, I make that statement, they don't know how much information I do or do not have, and I just sit there and he goes, the first person to speak loses. I had to make a decision on who it is that I wanted to interview first and decided on Opal. She doesn't know what's going on. She doesn't know that we found Stephen. I don't let her know that. I merely tell her that I really need to talk to her and go over some things. Detectives ask Opal about Stephen's relationship with Linda. You would see her face expression change when she spoke about Linda because she did not like Linda at all. I couldn't take it anymore. I couldn't take the fact that she was underneath that roof. It was just really, really, a really, really, really bad situation. So he knew she was about to tell him stuff, and I probably didn't have an attorney there, which she probably waived her right. I'm sure they, she was read Miranda rights and whatever. Who's Miranda? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> she admitted to hating Linda. 
After she learned that Stephen was having an affair with her, it was he who suggested having an open relationship. More like a sister-wife scenario. So she's telling the officer that it was, or the detective, that it was Stephen's idea to have an open marriage. Opal, of, of course, refused and said that Linda would go out of her way to antagonize her. However, because she wanted to make their 10-year marriage work, she agreed to the open relationship status as a way to appease her husband. Uh-huh. Opal said that after they took Linda in, Stephen and Linda started having an affair, and Stephen suggested adding an unexpected twist to their troubled marriage. Opal said Stephen introduced the proposal to Opal that Linda would be the sister wife to the relationship. Obviously, as most would, would say, uh, infuriated uh, Opal. She did not like that at one bit. According to Opal, they actually tried the sister wife arrangement for a while. But after just a few weeks, it became clear to her that it wasn't going to work. Opal would go on to say that while Stephen was at work, Linda would say things to Opal that would, would make her mad, and uh, she would antagonize her and just uh, kind of poke at her the whole day. In 2014, she had given Stephen an ultimatum, and he chose Linda. But one month later, he wanted Opal back, saying that Linda was no longer in the picture. But according to Opal, Linda was very much still in the picture, so that pissed her off even more. Next, she became upset with Stephen when he refused to attend one of his son's school performances, choosing to stay home with Linda instead. Like, oh, no, you didn't. Oh, shit. Oh, no, you didn't. Opal claims that at that point, Ricky and Charlie started making what she believed were empty threats. We're going to take care of business. We're going to take care of Stevens. He's not treating Opal right. And we're going to take care of this. Opal says before they left, she warned Ricky to keep his anger in check. At the time they went to go to leave, I told her, I said, Rick, don't do anything stupid. The men drove off. Opal says that a few hours later, she got a disturbing phone call. Opal explained to me that Charlie called back and said it was done. I'm like, what are you talking about? Exactly what are you talking about? Because I didn't know. I didn't know what was going on that night. She admitted to making a few threats out loud. And a few hours later, she got a call from Charlie telling her it's done. But she wasn't part of any planning, and she didn't know what really happened. Like halfway confession. Yeah. Spontaneous utterances is another fun word. You made that up. No, I didn't. <laughs> so they've got Opal and Ricky in separate rooms interrogating both of them. And during Ricky's interrogation, he presented a similar story to the one Opal had given. So they probably have rehearsed their stories. The detectives know now that they need to locate Charlie next. There was some minimizing that was taking place on Opal's behalf. She was trying to even manipulate me. Whether she realizes it or not, Opal's statement incriminates her in the crime. Opal had now given me information of how she was involved in the murder of her husband. I stepped outside the room and I instructed law enforcement officers to get involved in the search for Charlie Lehman. I knew then that the clock was ticking, that I could not take another day to get Charlie in because it would give him an opportunity to flee once he learned that someone had been taken into custody. He said that Opal begged him to kill Stephen because he was beating on her. She told him about Stephen's 
$100,000 life insurance policy. So a hundred grand. And yeah, that's how I feel. That's probably the least amount of money that we've seen. Yeah. And that they would split it three ways between Ricky, Opal, and Charlie. Ricky, Bobby, and (laughs) Ricky, Bobby. Ricky, Bobby. (laughs) Charlie was not the brightest bulb in the bunch and had agreed to carry out the murder because he felt so bad for Opal, who was family after all. Of course. That you met like two months ago. It's not. What? Ricky was very much in love with Opal and he would have done anything she asked of him or implied that she needed. So that's her boyfriend was in love with her and would but Charlie's just like, Well, she's family. Ain't nobody beats up on family. Uh (laughs) And this this is shitty. The men called Stephen and lured him out of his Greenwood home at night by saying that Opal had fallen and they needed his help. When he came outside, he was forced into his own van at knife point by Charlie while Ricky drove. Charlie proceeded to beat Stephen up in the back of the van for the entire ride downtown. Charlie knew about the location under the bridge because he had stayed there for a few times when he was homeless. Fair enough. Fair enough. Once they parked, Stephen was placed on his knees near the van and begged the men to call Opal to stop this. They called her and she proceeded to yell at him in a rage for his misdeeds, including hitting her, sleeping with another woman, and not attending the goddamn school performance. He wanted, she wanted them to have open relationship. I know, that's why it's weird. Yeah, she crazy. She told Charlie to do it, giving him permission to finish what he'd started. Opal handed the phone to Charlie's grandmother, who told her, told her grandson, Charlie, to do what you got to do. So even fucking grandmas. I only saw that one at the you, Indie Star. Had that do one. Do what you got to do. That Charlie's grandma also was like, please commit homicide. You got to do what you got to do. Yeah. What Ran- I got to do? What, the- <laughs> what I got to do? What do got to do? They called Opal and told him what they were preparing to do. Um, Stephen knew at that point in time that they were getting ready to take his life. He was consciously aware that this was getting ready to happen. He was actually pleading, pleading for his life over the phone with Opal Williams. You got a guy being stabbed down by the river. He's dying, but he's on the phone with his wife talking to her. Opal had one last chance to call things off. She did the opposite. You had Opal saying, that, Charlie, you need to do it. You need to go ahead and take care of business. Charles takes that as an order to kill Stephen. Ricky held Stephen down while Charlie stabbed him twice in the chest. And when that did not kill him, he begged Charlie to end his life and the pain. Charlie proceeded to slit his throat with a dull butcher knife. What a rude dude. And multiple slash marks. So it wasn't like a clean kill because the knife was too dull. So it's, you know, it's awful. That's bad. I'm not here for it. Mm -mm. They found an old section of carpet under the bridge and rolled his body up, then pushed it into the nearby water. They were unable to drive the van back up the muddy embankment, so they abandoned it and walked back home. I know. I was like, fuck you fucking idiots. Like, this is brilliant criminals, let me tell you. They returned to the scene of the crime with Opal the next day to pick up items they may have left behind. Returning to the scene of the crime. Classic. Opal had really planned it all, and she was never abused by Stephen. It wasn't about the money for her, and instead it was all about her deep-rooted jealousy and desire to get even with him after he slept with Linda. On March 21st, 2015, Charles Lehman Jr., Ricky King, and Opal Williams are arrested. 
Charlie was the person who actually m- murdered my dad. Ricky just did it because of Opal, because he was still in love with her. She was the plot master person. They were all charged with a conspiracy and, and killing Stephen. A lot of people in Opal's situation might have just gotten divorced. But in this case, there was money involved. Opal was able to get insurance money if Stephen were to die. And so I think it's so hard for most of us to put ourselves into the mind of the sociopath and think this way. But how a sociopath would think about the situation is always in terms of what is in it for me. How will I come out the best? One of the things we know about narcissists is one of the worst things that you can do is reject them, not want them, not desire them. And I think that Stephen's attention to Lisa may have provoked that feeling inside of Opal. And when you reject a narcissist like Opal, the rage builds up inside of them and they want to get you back in a more painful way that you got them. Opal Williams maintained her innocence until February 2016 when she pleaded guilty and got a 50-year sentence. Her earliest possible release date is 2051 when she will be 70 years old. Ricky King got 45 years for his part in the murder and can be released in 2048 when he will be 78 years old. The Charlie's public defender argued that his past issues with mental illness and intellectual disability merited some leniency from the court. It's not his fault he's so dumb. This attempt failed, and Charlie Liam Lehman was given 55 years for wielding the knife and could be released in 2052 at the age of 57. So that's still pretty young, because he's only yeah, 20 years all, old. They all sound like not that old. Yeah. she he, uh, Ricky was old. I mean, older. Damn, Ricky. Well, damn, Ricky. Um, it is difficult to understand how not one of these three individuals acted to stop the plan in motion and prevented Stephen Williams being lured to his death, Marion County Prosecutor Terry Curry said. We hope that the admission of guilt by the defendants provided some measure of justice due to the other member, the other family members and friends of Mr. Williams. So that's the, so none of them went to trial. They all pleaded guilty and took deals or otherwise... Who fucking knows what you'd get at trial? Mm-hmm. Yeah. His daughter Amanda said, He cried on me. He missed Opal. He really missed Opal a lot. He could not stop crying, so I hugged him. Stephen's son in law remarked that Opal was the one who reported him missing the whole time she knew. That's the most demented, psychotic thing to me. It just destroys me because I can't call my dad. I can't do that. I just hurts me because one day I was sitting there like, hey, let me call my dad. You know, your grandchild's trying one. Oh, wait, I can't because he's gone. And it just really makes me emotional. It just kills me because I can't talk to him. It's, it's such a shock that, that all that happened. He was a good dad. He was a good father to his kids. And he was a good brother. And I miss him. So it was really sad. I think you're just a regular guy. And it's, I don't know. It. I could almost process it more if it's like you got married a month after you met and then a year into your marriage, she decides she wants to sleep with someone else and things go down and downhill real quickly because you married an unstable bitch. But they've been together for like 10 years. She sounds like psychopath. It's really sad. He was just trying to help take care of everyone. Yeah. And... It was over. I just. Seems I think like the people didn't get enough. It time. seemed like Charlie was going to kill someone. 
like 20 years old, all it took was one person that you met two months ago to be like, hey, will you kill my husband for me? I'm like, sure. Sure. He would have killed someone else. Who fucking knows? Actually, yeah, that's probably the truth. It's not his fault he's dumb. It's not his fault he's so dumb. So yeah, I don't know what happened to all the kids. I think they moved out of the state because they weren't present for sentencing. Blame them. Yeah, I don't blame them. They weren't present for Charlie's sentencing, just that they wanted the maximum given to him, and, yeah. and it did. So so I don't know what became of their... Amanda, his daughter, and his son, son-in-law were on the episode, and they just they're, seem really sad, as you would. That sucks. Mm-hmm. Be careful with women. Shit. Shit, man. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day. Be careful around women. Yeah. <laughs> you better treat us right. It just, it, I think it's even more demented because he called her and she was listening to him, like, get the shit beat out of him and begging her to stop this. Like, call your goons off of me and call them back. And she wasn't do it. And in the snapped episode or whatever, she has a flip phone too. She's like, do it. Snap. Snap. I mean, and that's how you know it's serious when you snap them flip phones. Well, hell shut. yeah. That was kind of sad. Mm-hmm. He's just a regular guy who got murdered for no reason. No Absolutely. Reason. Because he slept with another woman that his wife said he could sleep with. Yeah. So, yeah, she was just really jealous. I want an open marriage, but only I can sleep with other people in the open marriage. It's like, that's not, you haven't Googled open marriage, have you? Because that's not how it works. No. Yeah. And this is a more recent one, 2017. Yeah, that is more recent. And I hope I got it all right. I had to ride a lot out myself. I like it. <laughs> you did good. You took good notes. You couldn't copy and paste someone no. else's work this no. time. And give them credit. <laughs> I would give them, try to give them credit somewhere on the website or here or something. But Somewhere, somehow, we tell you our sources. Speaking of, we have a Patreon. New members. Latest episodes are Jody Aries. You can hear about... Yes. Oh, yeah. Tootsie Rolls and Twat. No, and Yikes. whether KY or Baby Oil or Astroglide is better. I talk about <laughs> Coconut. That. Coconut oil. <laughs> it's they organic. T- they talk about it, and I was like, what does this have to do with anything? But that's in there. It's in it. It must be important somehow. And it's horrific on top of it. Yeah, God. So, what yeah. What do they say the three things you kill for? Money and love, love and rock and roll. Okay. Well, <laughs> Sex, so drugs, and rock and roll. roll. Yeah. Uh, I would go with money, love, and drugs. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, hell yeah, you do. All right, tell them where to find us. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter, at Who's Your Homicide. On Facebook, you can also listen to us anywhere you can find a podcast. Mm -hmm. All fancy platforms. All fancy platforms. We care. Instagram. Did you say that already? Yes, I I said that. If you if you say something on Twitter or Instagram, I do respond rather promptly, I believe. Yeah, she's not doing anything else. Listen, <laughs> at least I'm not trying to become, I want to start my own trucking business or something. I'm at home bored like I should be. You could do it. You could do it. Do it. <laughs> and for honest to goodness, stay, stay out, out of, of the, the corn. corn. Rough, man. Rough. This isn't over. Okay.
One moment. One moment. One moment, please. What would Mama always say? She goes, please stand by for a water Water safety safety check. (laughs) (laughs) Please stand by for a water safety check. (laughs) We're experiencing some technical difficulties. Please stand by. (laughs) That's something else she would say. (laughs) Please exit the pool for adult swim. (laughs) I hated adult swim. It's the worst, and I'm an adult, and I still can't enjoy Adult Swim because I have to stay with her. Yeah. So it's just more annoyance and have to explain to her why she can't swim right now. Yeah. Like, because a little overweight white women want to get in the water. <laughs> I can say that about myself. I can say that. 